want to share a few thoughts as we prepare our hearts to come to the table and meet with Jesus together. Uh, this past week, one of my boys asked what I think is a really tremendous question. I was actually really encouraged whenever I heard him ask this. And uh, we were together as a family, and we were talking about we were talking about Holy Week. We were talking about the different events of this, this final week of Jesus' life. We were talking about Good Friday. And one of my boys said, Dad, why is this called Good Friday? Which I was really encouraged by because that meant to me that he was really leaning into the story, that he was thinking about the events and the realities of the night that we're, we're looking at tonight. The, the torture, the beating, the crucifixion. And he says, can you explain to me why is that good? And I think really that's a fundamental question that really gets at the heart of the gospel. It really gets at the heart of our entire faith. Why is this good? If you think about it, our entire faith is wrapped around what we are talking about tonight. If you think about how, how, how is the Christian faith represented throughout the world and throughout the centuries... It's represented by one of those. Isn't that puzzling? Isn't that just crazy? A, a Roman cross, an instrument of death, a symbol of, of torture and of humiliation and, and crucifixion. So that is the heart of our faith. So the question is, why? And the reason that that is the heart of our faith is because it's the heart of the gospel. And we talk all the time as a church about the gospel and about how gospel is very different from religion. Now, that's easy to get confused. You know, religion is this mindset that uh, what do I need to do in order to get right with God? What kind of a person do I need to be? What kind of things do I need to do? What kind of steps do I need to go through? That's every religion in the world. It's a system of how you make yourself right before God. But the gospel which is unique to Christianity, is the utter opposite of that entire formula. Because the gospel comes to us and says, there is nothing you can do. In fact, you are so far away from being able to do anything to make yourself right before God, that He's got to do something for you. He's got to come after you. And so the heart of the gospel, gospel means, what does it mean, kids? Good news. It's an announcement, it's a report about something that has happened, namely something that God has done for us. And that is what the cross is all about. It's all about what Jesus has done that we could never do. That He would step into our place, that He would become our substitute. He would step into our shoes, that He would take upon Himself all that we deserve because of our sin, all of our guilt, all of the wrath of a holy God for our sin, all of it fell upon Him in our place on the cross. And so it's at the heart of the gospel. So what I want to just tease out for just a second is what, what, what is the basic truth of the cross? What does it what does it teach us? What does it show us? One of the things that we say all the time as a church is that we believe the gospel is not just how you get into the Christian life. 
That's very common to think that in the Bible Belt. You know, the gospel is just the, the basic information about Jesus. Yeah, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins so we can go to heaven when we die. That's the basic information. And once you get that, then that's how you become a Christian. But then the way that you grow as a Christian, the way that your heart has changed, the way that, that you change as a person is really by some other means, by, you know, learning all the right answers or, or trying really, really hard and all of these other things. And it's very common to think that. But one of the things that we are very adamant about as a church is the gospel is not just how you begin the Christian life, it is actually how you grow. The Apostle Paul says at the beginning of the book of Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. Did you get that? Not only does it have power, it is His power for salvation. The gospel message, the message of the cross, as Paul describes it in another place, is God's power for transformation. And so, the amazing thing about that is that as we just soak in and meditate on what He has done, God's power is at work in our hearts to transform us. So we never move past the gospel. So what I want to talk about tonight is, just for a few moments... What does the cross show us? And when we see it, when we meditate on it, and we see the basic truths of the gospel, what does it do in us? And so the cross basically tells us two things. First, it shows us the depth of our sin. When we look into the cross and we look, stretching the story out, walking through the elements of the story, and we see all that Jesus endured, His mocking, the beating, the crucifixion, the nailing to the cross, all the elements of it, as we're watching that, it is showing us what it took to rescue us. So as you see, as you see that picture that this this is the only way, this is the only way for me to be made right with God, this is the only way for me to be reconciled, the only way for me to be forgiven The only way for me to be brought into relationship with God is for the perfect Son of God to be crucified. You see, as you meditate on that, just how much it reveals about our need. You know, what's very common for us is to think we're not really that bad. Can you identify with that? I mean, sure, you know, we've got some errors in our life. You know, we've got some habits we need to work on and and, uh, you know, we, we've had points in our life where we were struggling a little bit more. But in general, we tend to think, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I need a little help. You know, I'm human. Nobody's perfect. You know, so I just, I need God to give me a little help to get over the hump there. And so largely, we're blind to the depths of our sin. Part of the reason that we're so blind to that is because we compare ourselves to one another. When we compare ourselves to one another, I mean, sure, there's, there's people in my life that I might look at and I say, man, I'm, I'm nowhere near where they are. I'm nowhere near as holy or devoted to God as that person, but it's so easy. You can always find people who are worse than you. It's not that hard. And so we tend to go about life just thinking, yeah, I have a little need here and there. You know, one thing that happens to me when I sin, it's just like automatic for my heart. My heart immediately kicks into justification mode. When I blow it, I mean, my heart's skilled at this. You know, I, I'm coming up with all of these 
reasons and excuses that I've done this or this has happened. Well, you know, it was, it was that other person and how they treated me. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, look at all this other stuff that I do good in my life. You know, my heart's like this just auto-programmed for self-justification as a way to say, I'm okay, I'm not that bad. And so by default, we think, yeah, I need a little help from God. I need a little forgiveness from God. But as we come and we look at the cross... Primarily what it shows us is that we are nowhere close. We're so utterly broken and by nature alienated from a holy God that the only thing that can rescue us is the death of His perfect Son. It's the ultimate equalizer. It shows us I'm no better than any other person that I'm the biggest sinner in the room, that no one needs His grace more than me, is I look at the cross, and it shows me personally, the only way I can be rescued is this. Do you see, as you meditate on that, it brings incredible humility to your heart. It, It brings us to that place where we get in touch with the real depths of our need. And let me tell you, the gospel is not going to electrify your heart until you're in touch with the depths of your need. So the gospel shows us the depths of our sin. It humbles us. But at the same time, it does something else. It also shows us the completeness of our acceptance before the Father. See, if you just see the depth of your sin, and you don't see the completeness of all that Jesus accomplished then, if you don't see how full it is and how powerful it is, then we'll be in despair. And there's so many elements about the story that the gospel writers show us, so many little details. They're just loaded with meaning to show us just how complete His work was. In one, we heard one of the words of Jesus that Lorelai was reading where He says, It is finished. On the cross, at the very end, Jesus is hung on the cross for hours. And He's giving up His Spirit. And His work of dying in our place is almost finished. And He says, it is finished. What powerful words. those, those, Those words communicate the fact that He has completed something in that moment. That He has accomplished something. That He has accomplished our salvation. That He has paid it in full, that it is complete in that moment. When were our sins paid for? Not the moment that we were converted, not the moment that we have asked for forgiveness. Our sins were paid for 2,000 years ago when Jesus gave up His Spirit on the cross. That was the moment of our salvation. And Jesus says, it is finished, it is complete. Another detail, if you picked it up there, was just this detail about the curtain in the temple. It's one of my favorites. You know, the curtain in the temple, this, this, this curtain was about three inches thick. And it separated the worshipers, God's people, from His holy presence and the holy of holies. It was this curtain that was always standing there as a, as a reminder that, that though God wants you to draw near to Him, you cannot get too close. You cannot get too close because He is utterly holy and we are desperately broken in sin. And God cannot be near sin. He cannot look on sin. And so it was a protection for them. And yet at the same time, it was always this symbol saying, you can come close, but not that close. You've got to stay at a distance. There is limited access to the Father. And yet the moment 
when Jesus completes his work on the cross. Did you say, what a powerful detail. The curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. What does he want us to know? That the way to the Father has been opened. That something that would have been unimaginable for Old Testament believers. That, That a sinful person can come into the holy presence of God. Just unthinkable. And yet that's exactly what Scripture tells us. Hebrews says, Let us therefore, in light of all that He has accomplished in His finished sacrifice, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence. Amazing. Do you see our acceptance? How full it is? That Jesus' work on the cross opens the way to the Father. So if you're in Christ... You are so accepted in spite of your sin. In spite of the ways in which we continue to go our own way, the ways in which we fail to love one another in the ways that we've been called, the ways that we we run after life and other things, in spite of all of those things, we are so accepted that we can come with boldness and confidence into the holy presence of the Father. So when that reality sinks into our heart, you know what it does? It sets us free. It's freedom. It is the ultimate freedom. There is no other freedom like the freedom we find in the gospel. Freedom from accusation. Freedom from fear. Freedom from condemnation. Utter freedom that leads to joy. And these two truths are interrelated, you see. You see, the more deeply I see my sin the more electrifying is the grace of Jesus on the cross. You see, because the more I see my sin, my sin cannot condemn me. You realize that? Romans 8.1 The sin of a believer cannot bring you under condemnation because you've been declared righteous. He was condemned in your place. So, what can I not confess? What do I need to hide? Nothing. You see how the more deeply I understand my acceptance, the more boldly and honestly I can confess and repent of my sin. And the more deeply and boldly I confess and repent of my sin, the more, the more amazing and electrifying and wonderful of the love of Christ is, which therefore makes me even more bold to come before Him with utter honesty. These are the dynamics of the gospel. And as we experience them, we are changed in the power of the Spirit. So tonight, we just want to experience the gospel together and, and, and literally experience it by acting it out. In just a moment, we're going to do a couple things. One, we're going to start with a prayer of confession. And as we always do before we come to the table, I just want to encourage you, you know, we, we read this corporately together. I just want to encourage you, make this your confession. I'll give you a few moments of silence. Just be bold with your confession. You see, because the cross gives us the confidence to do that. That I don't have to hide anything from the Father. I can come and confess to Him and I'm, I'm, I'm getting in touch with my need and hunger for His grace at the table. So we're going to confess our sins and then we're going to go to this station of the cross over here. And this is a, just another way to experience that reality that we see in the cross that it was my sin that put Him on the cross. When we look at the cross, I'm not looking at what others have done. I'm looking at what I have done. 
because that's what took him to the cross. It was my sin. And so we'll form a line over here, nail a nail into the cross. After you've nailed a nail into the cross, come over here and kneel and take communion. And I just want to encourage you, as we're going, it's going to be an extended time here, but as you're just hearing the nails being driven and the hammers going in the background, just, just let yourself enter into the reality of all that Jesus has done at the cross. So let me set up the table for us. Uh, on the night in which he was betrayed, in fact, it would have been Thursday of this week. Jesus was with his disciples on their final evening together before he would go to the cross. This, this happened last night, 2,000 years ago. And at the table with them would have begun as a Passover celebration and it quickly moved into something altogether new, a picture of the gospel. And Jesus that night took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And in like manner, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim and show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Let me just say, if you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not in union with Christ, or you're unsure of where you are with Christ, Scripture is very clear in warning you not to take communion. Because it would be going through the motions of something that is very holy, very precious. Instead, I would invite you to take Christ. Because He invites you and welcomes you right where you are to come and be united to Him and know life. That all of this would become true of you now. But if you are in union with Christ, and you, as our first hymn, I love that line in our first hymn, Come Ye Sinners, the only fitness He requires is for you to feel your need of Him. Do you feel your need of Him? Do you feel the deep sickness of your own soul and your deep need of His grace? Well, this table is for you. So we invite you to come and eat and feast boldly upon our Savior. So let's pray our prayer of confession here. Let's pray together. I encourage you to make this your confession and prayer to the Lord. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change, Open to us a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Now take a few moments to confess silently your sin to the Lord.
Lord Jesus, we acknowledge it was no other person that put you on that cross but me. It was my sin that put you on that cross. So we acknowledge, we uncover, we repent of our sin before you and just acknowledge the depths of our need of your grace. But Lord Jesus, at the same time, we rejoice that by your work on the cross, we are completely forgiven and healed and covered and made righteous. Would you now at your table fill us with the certain knowledge of your pardon and your love and your acceptance? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now hear this word of assurance from his word, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. It is by His wounds we have been healed.